0: It's good to see you again. In the last two years, a couple of things have happened. One is, I got my last kid out of college. That was in December, not quite yet recovered. That was good. Got one married in December also. And last Wednesday, got my first pair of bifocals. (laughs) I've needed them for a while, but I haven't gotten them. So now, you know, got rid of the vanity, and we're ready to go. I'm glad you're here. I need your prayers during this time. Whenever we open up the Word of God, it's, uh, it's a challenge, isn't it? I, I thought of that uh, hymn that was just sung, The Double Cure, Saved from Wrath, Made Me Pure, Right? We're saved from the wrath of God when we come to Jesus Christ, trust in his shed blood, to turn away God's righteous anger from us. But also we're made pure then through the word of God as it ministers to us. So the book of Proverbs is going to be powerful to change us, if we'll allow it to. And who doesn't need change? Right? Yeah. If you're not going to change, well, as they say, you should, well... Mm. you're done. So we need to keep changing and growing together. I trust that you all have one of these uh, documents, and it has the materials for the next six weeks. If you want to, you can read ahead. So next week, we'll be dealing with friendship, and you may want to read those verses, maybe even take some notes ahead of time. As I'm teaching in here, you can stick your hand up any time, to ask a question. So in my mind, it's not it's not sermonic. I'm going to treat this like a classroom. You can put your hand up if it seems like I'm ignoring you. It's just that I will get back to you in a minute. All right. So feel free to do that. If you want to be ornery and fight me, I don't do that. No, I'm kidding. Why would you say that to a group of people? No. Uh, but I can take any question. Just let them fly. All right? That'll be fine with me. Let's, uh, let's start here today thinking about preliminaries. Now, the next five sessions will be about specific topics within the book of Proverbs. When I'm preaching, I like to start with a book and go all the way through it. So if I'm in Ephesians, I'll typically preach from verse uh, 1-1 all the way through chapter 6. I think it's verse 24 there at the end and passage by passage and passage. That's the way I like to do it. But Proverbs does not really surrender its riches that way. Proverbs is a book of topics. So you can pick a topic and then trace. uh, Maybe that topic has verses in 10 or 12 different chapters. You have to go through and think about them that way. So that's the approach I'm going to take when uh, I'm speaking next week on friendship, for instance, it there'll be verses from all over that book. But today, I want to set things up, give you a little orientation. I know some of you have studied the book before. Someone told me they had taught the book. That's, that's good. But today is going to be some basic information. All right, but a little bit more about my family first, all right? My wife has been... Uh, with me for 35 years. Bless her for that. Uh, she's just been on a trip with her sister uh, for about 18 days. Husbands weren't invited. I'm dealing with my resentment. But they were, they were nine days in Hawaii. Uh, the sister has a condo there. It was partly for business purposes because they're West Coasters and then uh, will be maybe retirement. But they were nine uh, days there and then nine days in Seattle. During which time... The refrigerator decided to get sick it 's sick right now it 's groaning like a cow, uh, but i 'm praying don 't let it go so anyway I, I called I called Sears and it by the time I called there's two days left on the warranty, so that 's good. a little later this afternoon, I have to get there, and you know what will happen it won 't make any noise while he 's there, right but after he leaves and before my wife comes home, it'll probably go out. (laughs) I have three kids. My son Joe is in uh, consulting. Uh, He consults with not-for-profit hospitals to help them have a better revenue cycle because uh, even not-for-profits can retain some money and so on. That's what he does. He just asked, he was downtown in Chicago, asked for a transfer to Detroit because he has... A beautiful little Italian girlfriend over there, and he wants to get in the daily grind with her to figure out if they're going to get married or not. She lives with her parents, and so he did that. That's good. Um, My Elizabeth got married in December. She lives in Decatur with uh, her new husband, and she works at Millikan University in the sports and rec complex. My Abby, our little one. Graduated in December, and she's a nurse at Children's Hospital in Chicago. So there it is. Uh, my own uh, journey in the spiritual life is I came to know the Lord Jesus my first year in college. I went to Albion College in southeast, uh, southwest Michigan for about a year, and then graduated from Michigan State later on. But that fall, uh, I came to know Christ as my personal Savior. I think it was the first time that I'd ever heard the gospel clearly. I'd been raised in a church which did not preach the gospel. You know, There are some of them out there like that. I went to Sunday school regularly. I don't ever think that I heard that Jesus had died for my sins and had risen again. I trusted him then, uh, went through... Uh, Michigan State got involved with Campus Crusade for Christ, which was life-changing. Went to a good Bible-believing church during that time. Uh, Went to a summer beach project the fall after my sophomore year. A beach project with Campus Crusade means you go get any job you can get for 40 hours a week. This happened to be in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Get a, a job for 40 hours a week. Then in the evenings and on the weekends, you go out and share Christ with people on the beach and you have uh, discipleship groups and so forth, that got me thinking that I had better be in ministry. I went out on the beach one night and I said, Lord, I don't think there's anything in life that I'd rather do than what I've been doing this summer. So that's when God grabbed me. And really, it's not that being a pastor or a professor is a more special calling than what God has called you to. Mm -hmm. I trust that you're doing what God wants you to do right now as well. That is a calling and continues to be a calling. This book is a great book. It's poetry. I know you've all read poetry, right? At some point or another. This book is poetry. Whenever you want to find Proverbs, it's not too hard because it's next to Psalms. And if you take your Bibles and you split them down the middle... Oh, let's see how I do here. Maybe that's the middle. You'll come to Psalms. Oh, there's Psalm 140. All right. Then you just go next door. that away. way You've got Proverbs. All right, so split that. Proverbs is, uh, is a book with many authors because it's been gathered over time. As you look at this here... Solomon is the main man. Now, Solomon, let's put this in context. When I work with people in in the scriptures, one thing we don't have is sort of a basic framework to understand time and so forth. But let's do this. Solomon is the third of the great Hebrew kings during what is called the United Monarchy. These were the glory years of Israel. So let's do it this way. We'll say 1050. This is B.C. Saul comes on the scene. 1010. David. 970, Solomon. For some reason, when I sp- spell on boards, I don't do quite as well as when I'm at a computer. So I, I don't know why, but anyway, I know this is right so far. All right. <laughs> if anybody wants to say, hey, you raise your hand, you spelled that wrong, don't. All right, I'm just, okay, anyway, <laughs> all right, so... But each one of these reigned for approximately 40 years. So you have 40, 40, 40. This is the united monarchy. The kingdom split north and south with the foolishness of Solomon's son, Rehoboam, who uh, became arrogant instead of wanting peace, and he split the kingdom north and south. But here also is something about Solomon. Uh, He wrote three books of the Bible. Where does Proverbs fit? Well, here's, here's how I see it. The Song of Solomon. Oh, my, what a beautiful love story. He was at that time monogamous. He was in love with a young woman. And that Song of Solomon is a beautiful romance. If you've never read it, man, you've missed something. Don't miss it anymore. Read that book. It is not about Christ and the church. It is about love. And then love and more love and monogamous love. I think he wrote that early in his life. Before he started getting power hungry and collecting a harem, now those harems in the Old Testament were not just about lust; they were about power. This is the way you showed your power. You made a treaty and he 'd give with some king and he 'd give you a daughter. Can you imagine terrible? But Solomon fell into some of that later on that was not good but uh, during So the Song of Solomon, I think, is his early contribution. Ecclesiastes is his late contribution. I think Ecclesiastes is primarily a positive book, not a negative one. I think it is a book about how to enjoy God responsibly in light of his goodness, his sovereignty, and his judgment. I think it's his late contribution in life, as he reflects on how he has lived, as he reflects on his experiments, some good and some failed, as he now, from a mature vantage point, looks back to see how perhaps it might have been done differently. Proverbs seems to be the contribution of midlife. So you have those three books. But Proverbs is a collection. Solomon is the main man, you see this, he's the son of David, and you see these sections now, one through chapter 1, 1 through chapter 22 is from Solomon, and then there's another major section from him. There are also uh, other authors, Agur chapter 30, and King Lemuel uh, 1 through 9, the authorship of chapter 31. Oh, that woman in chapter 31, she's a good one. Uh, We don't know who wrote that. Yes?
1: Dan, I've always had a question about uh, David, which relates to uh, Solomon even more relevantly. Uh, David having a, a heart, after God's own heart, and having, you could tell me the number... Of, uh, wives and concubines. Solomon had three hundred, right? Three hundred wives and seven. That's couples. low. Huh? <laughs> That's low. Now, now wait a minute. Uh, these men not only saved David, the line of uh, forever and ever, uh, Jesus. So, what's God going to do with all those concubines?
0: I'm not. Following. I followed you up until the last part.
1: I got you. All right. If I had a, a concubine, he's going to zap me. He's going to slap me across the face. But you've got a thousand of them. Uh, there ought to be something negative in that.
0: There will be. Uh, you, you have an unconditional covenant here with the Davidic line, that there's going to be a line coming from David right straight through to Christ. That could not be compromised. Solomon, David certainly did not get away with his sins. His life was terrible from the time of his sin with Bathsheba. right? His family life became chaos. There was murder. There, was, uh, there were all kinds of dif- difficulties there. So he paid a great price. Solomon also paid a great price in the division of his kingdom with his son and the rebellions and so on. We never get away with sin. Uh, With David, despite his situation with Bathsheba and uh, the murder of her husband, essentially, uh, the numbering of the the troops of Israel, which God was uh, not pleased with, uh, he was still a man after God's own heart because... When he sinned, he came and he confessed that sin all the way out. And he continued his pursuit with God. Well, back to the book of Proverbs. Here are the dates now. The period for collection may have spanned from the beginning of Solomon's reign, remember? 970, 971. As late as Hezekiah's reign, about 700 B.C. So these Proverbs were collected. They were collected. Here's something as as Christians we need to understand about the Bible. Even though the final product, I believe, is inspired by God, it is inerrant, it is protected from error by the Holy Spirit who watches over it, it is still gradual in its coming together. So these documents could be researched. People could investigate the facts. Then what they put together finally is a trustworthy product. I'm not going to go into a study of the Bible today and defend inerrancy. That's an assumption that I make here. The Bible is authoritative. I won't, I'm not going to explain that. That might be another course in another day, how we got our Bible, and so on. Uh, But the scriptures are compiled gradually. And this book is no exception. It's not either that everything in the book of Proverbs is unique. Many of the things in Proverbs could be observed just by being a wise person, a watching life as it develops. We as Americans have a number of proverbs, don't we? What are some of our proverbs, our sayings? I'll, I'll start out with one. Early to bed, early to rise, makes one healthy, wealthy, and wise. No, it doesn't always work. <laughs> Just that way. But that's the nature of proverbs. Proverbs are generalities. They're things that most of the time work. So what are some other American Proverbs. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Yeah, that's right. That sounds like it came from a nun too, <laughs> as well as being proverbial. <laughs> yes. Okay. The early, bird gets the, worm. the early bird catches the worm. That's right. Mm-hmm. addition time saves nine. Yes, that's right. The away. Yes. Uh-huh. All right. So these are these are things. Oh. I used to get these bubblegum cards that made fun of the Proverbs, right? You get the bubblegum, chew it, get cavities. Your mom doesn't like that. In addition, you got a smart-alecky card with it. This one said, early to bed, early to rise. Dull, isn't it? (laughs) Well, the purpose of the book of Proverbs. Let's look now into the scriptures themselves. And see these first verses. I'm so glad to have these bifocals. In the meantime, I went and got a couple large print Bibles. don't need them anymore, but I still have it. Oh, it's great. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Here's what they're for. They're for attaining wisdom and discipline. For understanding words of insight. For acquiring a disciplined and prudent life. That word prudence has been almost lost from our vocabulary. It's not looked upon positively. Women used to be named prudence back in the colonies. Today we say, oh, they're a prude. It's, it's become negative but prudence means essentially the ability to make a good choice between alternatives. Prudence. Doing what is right and just and fair for giving prudence to the simple. Now the simple doesn't mean simple-minded. It means a person who is naive, who is not well-formed yet. The Proverbs are one of the best things. It is possible to be yet unformed at any age. So if one is simple, they have not gotten yet street smart. That's what we're going to be talking about. Now I'll work with the definition of wisdom in a little bit. Let the wise men listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings, the riddles of the wise, here now is the key, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fear may be defined this way, a wholesome dread of displeasing God. If you don't have a good working definition, that's a good one to write down. A friend of mine a while ago, long ago, I heard him say this. He was a uh, worship director. It is the wholesome dread of displeasing God. There is a sense now as believers where we do not fear condemnation because we are under the blood of Christ. And His blood has propitiated our sins. His anger has been turned away. But there is still a sense in which we must dread displeasing Him. Because there are consequences. (coughs) See, the book of Proverbs is a book about consequences. You take that tact, you take that approach to a problem, things are generally going to go pretty well for you. You take the other road, and it won't turn out so well. These are choices that need to be made. But there's the invitation The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It starts here. Well, let me say this. You can't have biblical street smarts without the living God, Yahweh, as your leader. Our Heavenly Father's name is Yahweh. And without Him, without fear of Him, you can't really be wise. You could have a bunch of degrees behind your name and write all kinds of books, have a New York Times bestseller. But you're not wise without the Lord in the center of your life. So here are the options. They come right out of the box at us. You have two, you have two options. You can be wise or you can be that word that you're not supposed to say, fool. Now this group may still have a memory of Mr. T. Do you have him? What you doing, fool? You remember that? Well, if you don't, you missed out on some things. You probably didn't watch The Three Stooges either, did you? Well, I did. But a fool is a person who, in the face of all this material, just does what she pleases. Does what he wants to Yeah, I see that. I, I've got a better way to do things. That's a Fool! or we can be wise. So right now, in these verses, is the invitation. Wouldn't you like to be wise? The beginning of that is the fear of the Lord. A definition of wisdom. This is so important now, because we are Westerners, and the wise person to us has a bunch of plaques up on the wall. They say, Ph.D., They say there are specialties in this and that. You've got a long list of degrees behind your name. That is a Greek idea, but it is completely irrelevant to the book of Proverbs. Because this this is one thing I just want to get through. One of the big things from this book, Hebrew wisdom has to do with skill in living. That's why I named the series Street Smarts. It's not that one can make a good logical argument. It's not that uh, you can write a great dissertation or come up with a theorem for economics. Those are very valuable things. But in the Hebrew mind, a wise person lives well. Lives well. This means living well according to God's standards. It is not meaning, well, he carries himself well. Hmm? Yes, He knows what fork to use at dinner. Sometimes you get at that dinner, you know, and you have so many utensils that you're, you could be a little confused. My wife just says to me, start from the outside. But that's not wise either. That's just a little sophisticated and cultured. It's not the same as being wise. Here, But we're talking about street smarts. Let's look up some of these passages together now, starting with Exodus 35. We're just going to survey this a little bit. Exodus 35, 25. This is talking about getting the temple ready for God uh, to inhabit and worship. Verse 25. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun blue, purple, scarlet yarn. Uh, Go down here a little bit. Uh, Verse 29. All the Israelite men and women who are willing brought to the Lord free will offerings and so on and so on. Then uh, verse 31. And he has filled him with the spirit of God with skill, ability and knowledge in all kinds of crafts. And what I want for us to see here is the person, this word skill is the Hebrew word for wisdom. It's the same word. What it means here is the ability to do something, right? In this case, it was used of people who could work with their hands to make implements for the temple. It is a skill. Now this next passage, 107, Psalm 107, verse 27. 107, 27, I'm going to start back in 23. This is about sailors, people who were out on the sea all of the time, people who knew how to use the sails, the oars, how to direct their ships the right way, but they got into a storm that was too much for them. Verse 27, others went out on sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, His wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up the tempest. Uh, Verse 26, They mounted up to the heavens and went down into the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. The big waves were coming. Verse 27, They reeled and staggered like drunk men. They were at their wits end. Now that word there, wits, is the word wisdom. It means this. They've come to the end of their skills. The storm is too much. It goes beyond all their navigational abilities. Skill is the word wisdom. Chakma. Boy, oh, they don't. Everybody, just say this. Say, say. Chakma. It's got to be hard. Chakma. Okay, okay now. now you know Hebrew, right? You can say that you do. Not exactly, but... Alright, so this is skill. One more. We're not going to beat it to death, but First Kings 3.28... Kings 3.28, remember this situation where uh, Solomon had a very difficult thing. Two ladies had uh, shared a house, and in the one evening, one of the women had inadvertently smothered her baby by sleeping on the baby. And then she had switched the baby. She had taken the other lady's baby, claimed it was hers, and Solomon sets up this elaborate scheme that detects which uh, woman uh, was the mother of the baby. Verse 28, When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. He had skill, didn't he? He could look at this, he knew what to do, to choose between alternatives. So there it is. Everybody, please say, Wisdom is skill in living. Skill in living. And that's it. All right. Now, understanding Proverbs as poetry, it's poetry you probably had a high school poetry class or, or maybe some of you really like to read poetry today. That's what it is. There's, there, this is a genre issue. So when you read the Apostle Paul, you're reading letters, right? When you read Isaiah, you are, you're reading prophetic material. This is poetry. And it has certain rules by which it surrenders its riches. We can learn some of these basic things. We can increase our enjoyment of this book by remembering some principles for studying poetry. Poetry employs parallelisms, as demonstrated below, one and two, and also comparison. I'm not going to get into a, a bunch of stuff that's really heady here, but... These will increase enjoyment for us. So now we're in the book of Proverbs. Remember, split your Bibles down there in the middle. Open them up, if you will. We're going to do some basic things here with the text. Chapter 2. Verse 11, the first and most prominent kind of parallel in the Bible is synonymous parallelism. It means the two lines say exactly the same thing in different words. This is for clarity and uh, delight. Verse 11, discretion will protect you, understanding... Will guard you. So the way this is working now, if you did it this way, you can say discretion will protect, wisdom will guard. The two lines say the same thing, right? Discretion and wisdom are the same. Protecting and guarding are the same. That is synonymous parallel. The two lines mean the same thing. Why does he do this this way? Because that's what poets do. It's the way they do it today. Why? Because there are conventions of poetry. And he followed these. All right, so that is synonymous parallel. I would encourage you this week to read, start reading through the book of Proverbs and pick some of these out. Say, oh my, man, that's synonymous parallel. All right, there's also uh, antithetical parallelism where the second line contrasts the first. Here is... 27, 6 through 7. Let's look at this one. Are you there? 27, 6. Would someone read that verse? These two verses? Oh, first, 20, uh, first verse 6, please. That sounds like my refrigerator. (laughs) I need to get home. Will someone read verse 6? Stick up your hand there and we'll put you on the mic. Somebody got it ready? I can wait a long time. (laughs) Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Yes. There's the word in antithetical parallel, but but the contrast. You see what you have contrasted here again is consistent. You have wounds kisses. Friend enemy. But, antithetical. Also in verse 7, as long as we're there, he who is full loathes honey, but to the hungry even what is bitter tastes sweet. if you've had a big meal, you know, you've gone out to your favorite restaurant, you've eaten a little bit too much, somebody offers you some dessert, no, 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 you loathe that. I hope so, anyway. You, you don't say that. But when you're hungry, even that food that you wouldn't touch, usually, that looks good, right? Antithesis. So if you have these two, there, there are very numerous poetic things. But these two parallelisms are very important for us. Synonymous and antithetical. I think you will enjoy the book of Proverbs more if you start thinking about these. There's also comparison. Comparison. This uses like or as, like, or as. It's a logical comparison. Chapter 25, Verses 25 and 26. Would someone read these as well? Uh,
1: um, 25 like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land Mm. like a muddied spring or a polluted well is a righteous man who gives way to the wicked
0: yeah so there are two great vivid uh, vivid examples aren't there Cold water to a weary soul when it's 90 degrees out. Boy, it can suck the life out of you, can't it? Cold water, yeah. Mowed the lawn last night, had the water right out there on the ledge. I could drive by without stopping the mower. Just keep your hand on there and it's, it's good stuff. He says that, that great experience, that's like getting good news from somebody far away. That person, you must have wondered, are they all right? Are they going to make it back? Those were the days before Skype, email, cell phone. A person went to a distant land, you might never see them again. So that good news coming, oh, that's like, yeah. So the first thing is you get this metaphor, right? And you have to think about that metaphor. Allow your feelings to enter into this. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. And then, news from a distant How would you use that? Well, I guess you'd rejoice when you get good news, and also if you're in a distant land, communicate with somebody, right? It's a great thing. You take this into the life of a king. Good news from a distant land. Oh, the troops have been successful. Our overseas investments have become profitable. Good news. And then there's this one here that's vivid on the negative side, like a muddied spring or a polluted well. In the Bible, water is so valuable. You see this all the way through the Bible, don't you? Right from, from a Genesis all the way through Revelation. Water, so valuable. But he says this, uh, a muddied spring, a polluted well, oh, it's so worthless, so disappointing. You get to it, you need that water perhaps to survive, or you have your animals that need to be given something to drink, and it's muddied. It's muddied. It's disappointing. It... It ruins expectations. That's like a man who won't stand up when he needs to. You see. So there's a vivid comparison. All right. Keys to interpreting. Proverbs. 13 minutes left. What will we do with our time? All right, <laughs> you've got to watch out interpreting proverbs because proverbs are not. Promises. Okay. Please say, not promises. promises. If you read the book of Proverbs as promises, you'll say, God's a liar. I know that's not true. I can give you a bunch of examples where that's just not true. They are generalities. It means this, in this world which is fallen... More times than not, this is going to be what happens. And so far as we can control this world, which we can't do ultimately, insofar as we can control the outcome events, of events, if we do it this way, it's our best chance of something working out. Now let's go to a guilt-inspiring proverb. Proverbs 22.6. It can be anyway. Somebody read this, please. Train up a child in the way that he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. We're going to do training here because what we're supposed to do, I guess, is raise our hand and then the mic comes. Don't let it intimidate you, though. But read that again. (laughs) Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. All right. This seems to indicate some kind of guarantee. (laughs) That if I bring my kid to Sunday school, I do devotionals with him at night, I pray for him, I train him in the way he should go at the end. He will serve God. Well, what this proverb is saying, I think, is this. That's your best approach as a parent. That's your best chance of it turning out. But it's not a promise. How do we know? Because it doesn't always work. Now if you think it's a promise you're going to say this look at that person you might say it about yourself the kid turned out poorly they were poor parents that's not true at all necessarily it might be but it may not be as well now somebody read Proverbs
1: 13:10 Pride only breeds quarrels but wisdom is found in those who
0: take advice oh, i don't think that's it I'm sorry. try thirteen ten no is that it oh I'm sorry then i I repent. It must be thirteen twenty. Try that one will you Yes he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools. Suffers harm. Mistake number one for me, 1320. Now, you hear that, how that balances the truth of 22:6. There's a parental responsibility, there's also a responsibility of the child. A child can be raised in a great home, but if he makes decisions like a fool, then he's going to end up in trouble. It's really important that we see these as general principles. Otherwise, you can condemn yourself, you can misuse them, you use them as promises. They are not promises, but they're generalities. It tells us the best way of conducting ourselves. All right, I'm going down now into the invitation. Here's the invitation, and it's for all of us, and here are the passages that I want you to think about. Proverbs. We have an option. And that is, you can, we can come here in this instance for six weeks. We come to the book of Proverbs and you just say, nice intellectual exercise. I'm really not interested in life change. Chapters, the, the main division of the proverb, book of Proverbs is this chapters one through nine. Will you please seek the way of wisdom? It's the invitation. You know how they come in the mail. Mr. and Mrs. Claude Jones would like for you to be present at the wedding of their daughter and so forth. That's an invitation. Chapters 10 through 31 are actually the delivery of the wisdom. But we have to decide. And Solomon spends nine full chapters to say, please, please say yes to wisdom all right i'm going to survey this i now have seven minutes chapter one i'm used to this timing we have in the seminary we have classes that meet once a week for three hours and my students when the train is going to leave downtown you know they start getting itchy so 1, 8 through 19. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Yes, a mother can impute wisdom too. This is not just Solomon teaching, but a mother can do this as well. If you do this, they will be a garland to grace your head and a chain, a beautiful, expensive chain To adorn your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. So here is the invitation. This goes on. Now look in verses 20 through 33 where you see wisdom personified. In these chapters, you have now two women who beckon the hearer. There is Lady Wisdom who says, come to me and be safe. Come to me and be safe. Have your life put together by these skills that I wish to give you. There is the other woman, the harlot folly, If one enters into her presence, his life will be destroyed. The harlot is the epitome of foolishness. But here now, Lady Wisdom, verse 20, Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares at the head of the noisy street. She cries out, How long will you, simple ones, love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Please, she says, come to me. Come to me. Don't resist my way. Do not go down the path to destruction. It's a great thing. I, I feel when I come to the book of Proverbs that I'm 18 years old just getting started again because they're so deep and I have not mastered these things. Have you? You say, oh, I'm too old for you. No. No. Never too old. Uh, one of my favorite uh, stories in the Bible is this one. A guy needed a lot of work to be done, so he went and he picked up some workers to work in his vineyard. It goes like this. They went out into the field at 6, at 9, at 12, and 3. You like this? You're mad already, don't you? 6, 9, 12, and 3. At the end of the day, one works all the day long, another all the day long, all the day long, all the day long. At the end, the first group comes in, the 6 a.m. people, and they get paid, let's say, a dollar. It's what they had agreed to. But the same thing happened for the 9, 12, and 3. What? The first group says, what? What? We worked all the day long. We got a dollar. The guy comes into the field 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He gets a dollar. It's not fair. Oh, Didn't you get what you agreed to in the first place? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Here's the point God Almighty calls people to the field at different times. That's His business. Our business is to do what we're supposed to once we get called there. I got called, I have students, they got called to the field when they're four years old. I got called to the field when I was 18. My dad got called to the field when he was 76. So whenever you get called to the field, uh, perhaps uh, it's just possible in this group here today, someone does not know Christ, but the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Time to come to the field. So, on. My point here is this. No matter where you are in your knowledge of the book of Proverbs, that dear lady wisdom is saying, Come on. Come on. Learn from me. Maybe you've never sat down and read through the book of... Learn from me. Won't you come? This is a good way. It's a safe way. It's a way that gives us peace in our lives. It's uh, When we get this wisdom, we can graciously share this with others as well. So practical. Street smarts. Shoe leather. This is wisdom for people who really want to live, not just talk. Who really want to do something, not just theorize. Who want to live a life, not read a book. (laughs) So, in some ways, our Western thinking has betrayed us. We have grasped on to the Greeks, and we love them for all of their intellectual arguments and their logic and their debate and all of that, that really, in the end, is not that helpful. The wisdom that counts is the wisdom that lives. So, in the next five weeks, the Lord willing, this is what we're going to be getting into next week, friendship. I hope you will determine today, yes, Lady Wisdom, yes, I'll be with you. I'm going to to get into this book, and I thank you.